Hello, and welcome to the Instructional Insider. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Pittman, Instructional Designer and Curriculum Specialist at the beautiful North Carolina School of Science and Math in Morganton. I don't know about you, but the past two weeks have been super busy. Um, the activity on campus, it's definitely in full force. I think we're finishing up week four. Um, the students had a nice um, extended weekend this past week. Um, so that definitely brought back some energy as they had a little bit of extra time to rest. Um, inside the classrooms, though, have just been exciting and engaging from the lessons that our instructors have been providing to the activities that they're doing to support their lectures to the engagement of our students across the campuses. So let's dive into what I have seen. So um, I visited a lot of science classes this week. It just kind of happened that I went up in academic commons and great things are happening and I just kind of stayed there for quite a bit of time. Um, in our chemistry class, I saw um, I went into it twice and, you know, the first time they were in lecture, it was on the different types of chemical bonds and the instructor did a really good job of just making it not just about the, the content, but really trying to bring in real world examples so that students would understand exactly what he was talking about when he was talking about the various types of chemical bonds. Um, and then later on that week in that same class, they were um, building the students' understanding through uh, kinesthetic manipulatives where they were modeling those chemical bonds uh, with some manipulatives, which was a great way to uh, see the transfer over from the lecture into um, the activity that they were doing in class. Um, I found the uh, research environmental science class out on the, on the grounds um, as I was walking across campus and in that um, class, they were taking soil samples. Um, they were kind of like off of the sidewalk out into the middle of the field. It was kind of interesting because when they were pulling up those dirt samples, they were not the red clay mud that's so prominent on our campus when you walk through the sidewalk. So uh, the, the dirt that they were bringing up from their samples was actually dark and very, it appeared by its looks, very rich and uh, full of uh, good nutrients. So it kind of made me wonder, and I don't know because I was not the uh, on the campus as the campus was being built. It made me wonder if that red clay mud was brought in from somewhere else, um, considering what they were pulling. But anyway, in that class, they're going to be taking that soil back and um, running some samples and um, or running some tests on their samples that they were pulling to see the composition and the quality of that um, soil. Um, lots of visits in physics class. Uh, <clears throat> one time I was in a physics class and they were just, it was our group of juniors and they were, um, learning how to use the lab, the lab quest systems, um, with all their various, um, tools that are incorporated with those veneer sensors. And they were, um, just testing the speed of how fast a ball can move. Um, while using those new tools, which may have may not been a new for them, it depended upon their previous experiences at their old schools, but 
um, you definitely got to learn how to use those. So it was a great little activity for them to start practicing with those. Um, in another physics class, they were working on building electric boats. Um, there was a variety of different things happening there. Um, some of them were having to get a lot of support with the electrical components, especially if, you know, it was their first time really working in that topic. So the students were having to get a little bit more assistance, whereas some were, you know, working in CAD and designing based off their blueprints. And what I absolutely loved was after they worked on their boat and the electrical component and had designed it in CAD, our relationship between our um, fab lab and the physics department is phenomenal. They went straight down in there. They were able to collaborate with the fab lab manager and bring those visions of what was happening in physics to life through using the 3D printer. So that was interdisciplinary at its best. Um, and it was super amazing to just watch everything unfold in front of my eyes. Um, we had another physics class who was also learning with the sensors and the probes and the lab quest. And again, they were testing speed using the various different tools. It was a little bit different lab, but really the same experience for students. Um, in our math classes, specifically our calculus classes, um, lots of collaboration and group work, teamwork um, on the boards, lots of engagement with students collaborating together and, and their instructors really just there to help them and support them as they were working through any problems. Um, and then in another class of physics, there was a really good discussion upon the history of calculus, which was phenomenal um, to hear that integration of the history behind it, um, which really, you know, kind of adds some, some um, student engagement and relevance to the topic that sometimes can seem very abstract. In computer science, we have uh, level two coding classes. You know, previously, uh, Python's like a word you hear around our campus all the time and JavaScript. And this is a level two class and they were learning to code in Java, which from my understanding, that was their first time learning to code. I just spilt my water. Thank goodness it's got a lid on it. Sorry about that. Um, it was also really neat in one of our computer science classes that I got to sit in and watch them kind of filter through a lot of um, data from the UNC system. It was looking at salaries of different types of positions, and that was pretty interesting to watch them filter through all of the data um, and the different salaries based on the positions. Um, very interesting information, real and authentic for sure. Um, in some of our other classes, we had bioethics. Um, students were learning about the different abbreviations used in medical codes and things. And they were talking about the, sometimes that can be a little difficult when you're trying to read a text and it's got all these different codes and remembering all of that. Um, in our fit for life class, we had students Gary take a hike and I really liked the integration of science into that. Um, as they were hiking, which is obviously the exercise and the, you know, the mental health of just being outdoors, uh, they were going to be identifying various plants and animals along the way. 
And then finally, in one of our art classes in drawing, um, there was a, a nice display set up and you could see where students had been working to complete probably what I would consider their first big project for the year. So um, busy week, lots of amazing things happening for sure. So let's go ahead and I'm excited for you to hear our interview with this week's STEM expert. It's actually my first time that I interviewed a group of people. It is Lake James Environmental Association. Um, I know they've been really great um, in partnering with some of our summer programs and other classes. Um, I look forward to potential future partnerships for our classes and our students in this uh, or with this um, organization. So I hope you enter, uh, enjoy my interview today with the three gentlemen that joined me in this interview from the Lake James Environmental Association. All right, today with me, I have a group of gentlemen from the Lake James Environmental Association, um, which really is based in McDowell and Burke County, um, where the lake is situated. So I'm going to let each of them introduce themselves to you. So, Hi, I'm Marshall Taylor. I right now serve as secretary for the Lake James Environmental Association. Uh, Association and as uh, chair of its community science committee. Okay. I'm Jack Ranger and I'm on the board of Lake James Environmental Association and I chair the education, co chair of the education committee. All right. Todd Bell and I'm past president of the Lake James Environmental Association and now I serve as the treasurer for Lake James Environmental Association. And you've been on it for a while, correct? Uh, this guy's been, Jack's been on longer than I okay. have. I, Marshall has always been part of it. I pulled him in back when I was president, but uh, uh, I've been part of the organization since 2016. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the 50-year anniversary just happened? That's correct. That's hard yes, to believe. Yeah, 1973 is when Todd's father was part of the founding members. Okay, that's hard to believe because yeah. the lake back then was very different than it is now as far as just development and access, but um, the I think the appreciation of the environmental component has really been amped up with work from organizations like you and other nonprofits, and so I appreciate that, being someone that's from this area. The lake has been full 100 years this year. And we've been around for 50 years. Wow. And the history of Lake James, I'll put it in the show notes, the history of Lake James itself is fascinating. Um, it is a man-made lake. Um, it was originally by Duke Power. Um, does anybody want to? Well, it was then called Southern Power, yes. which is now Duke, Duke yes. Power, Duke Energy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it does have a very interesting history in terms of its construction. It's the... Uh, acquisition of the property around it and right. what, you know impacted a lot of families absolutely uh, and so forth in the Catawba River, River yeah. Valley yeah and it's provided tremendous services and uh, you know water supply services uh, flood control services and of course all its recreational and environmental right. benefits 
So, and for those of you not in this area, it was created for energy and power for this area. So um, Duke Energy, um, it was built for a hydro, hydroelectricity. So, um, all right. So that was a little uh, backstory of Lake James. So Just one other interesting component your, your listeners may find. Lake James is actually a combination of two lakes. They dammed up the Catawba River. They dammed up the Linville River formed two different lakes and dug a canal between them to connect them. That I did not know. And the reason they did that is because they only wanted to build one power station, but they wanted to be able to use all the water. So, is that where it's a little lower is where the canals? Well, when you go over Canal Bridge, that's, that's where, where it the is. canal is. Okay. That was actually a ridge that separated the two lakes and they dug a canal through it. I did not know that. So you, you learn something every day every day even at 41 years old all right so all of you gentlemen are retired technically correct i guess so yeah. still working I'm okay still working, second but... career second career but i would love to know your backstory and why you are doing what you're doing for lake james environmental how did you get here today the reason i start with the reason why i'm with lake james environmental association as marshall alluded to my dad was one of the founding members that started the association when they fought off a poorly planned wastewater treatment plant that was going in above the lake back in 73 and i watched him for years uh, be part of that moved away for 27 years i went to Appalachian state university uh, we got married i started in public accounting and uh, ended up with a startup company, wireless startup company, um, that eventually was bought by Verizon. And we uh, kind of grew my career on the IT side of the world and became a area CIO for Verizon Wireless and eventually the head of the IT infrastructure for Verizon. Um, I retired from that in 2016 and when I moved back here, I was recruited to the board. And since then, although I vowed never to take another tech job, I've started with a company by the name of Affinity, which is an AI company that is focused on preparing customers in the call center with reps based on their behavior, based on the data we have about the call center reps and the customers. That's interesting. And so that's where I am now. And I've uh, been with the Lake James Environmental Association, as we said, for uh, going on seven, eight years now. Interesting. All right. Um, I'm a retired teacher. I taught in Lexington, Kentucky. And um, afterwards, I went to work for a textbook company, became a representative here in that North Carolina eastern part of the state. Um, as I retired from that position, uh, uh, my wife and I, chose the Marion area, uh, part, partially because of the beautiful lake in the area. Right. We, we don't live in, the, uh, didn't live in the uh, lake uh, watershed. Um, I became interested in a struggle that was going on in this area to save the water. This was back in 2009. Okay. Uh, to save the water out of the Catawba River and I uh, kept reading about a couple of people in the newspaper that were fighting that fight. And it turned out that uh, George Johnson and his wife Susie 
uh, he was just taking on the presidency of Lake James Environmental Association. And through kind of a coincidence, uh, telling my wife, there's two people I'd like to know, we met them and uh, uh, got recruited to try, since I was, had an education background, mm -hmm. uh, decided we're going to affect change around here that uh, we had to start with young people. Yeah. So we actually went to Haywood County and All studied right. their kids in the Greek program right. they had there. They were so helpful in helping us uh, up the level of the activities for the right. James Environmental and start our own program. Um, so today, um, like last year, we did 1,100 uh, young people. Uh, we've already done 1,100 this year, and we're just going into the fall. So your focus so, with Kids in the Creek um, is McDowell and Burke, right? And we will help Avery County okay. if they're interested. Uh, that's part of the watershed. Excellent. Um, and we've stepped out of the watershed a little bit, did some homeschool kids right. recently that weren't exactly in our watershed. That's a, a great resource for our local educators. Um, I know when I was in the classroom and I taught science, I worked with a program very similar. It was Muddy Sneakers, yes. very similar. Um, and I know just from being a classroom teacher, teaching science, that how powerful that opportunity is for them to be out in the field doing real Things, you know. Well, yeah, we, we take them to the streams. They do water testing like we do uh, uh, for our records. And, right. Uh, uh, some other activities are entertaining to them too. Right. Uh, we go into school with a couple of models that teach them about watersheds and uh, groundwater. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been a very successful program according to the teachers. That the kids don't have to have as much review of these. Subjects. That's great. Um, and Marshall. Yeah, um, I only half jokingly refer to myself as a failed retiree. <laughs> uh, and that's after leaving some engineering firms in 2012 and 2013, I hung my own shingle out for a while. But then by 2018, I joined with a colleague I'd been working with for a long time to start a firm called Blue Earth Planning, Engineering and Design. We're in the Asheville and what's called the Climate Center mm -hmm. there. And uh, so I still work part-time with that as a senior engineer in the group um, and all. Uh, I've actually spent more time doing volunteer work. Uh, as my business partner could probably tell me, he sometimes asks me who I work for. <laughs> um, and, uh, and most of that time, the uh, majority of that time is with LJEA, like James Burnell and so forth. As I said, I'm a chair of the community science uh, department there. Try to coordinate the monitoring, the stream assessments right. programs we have, and, and so forth on that. So I'm sitting here with IT, engineering, and education. What did you teach in education? Uh, science and math. So science and math, school. which is perfect for you to be right here, right, right now. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, I, that's an amazing background story from all of you. So with working with Lake James Environmental, how do you use science, math, engineering, technology? And you can just kind of pick one if you want to start with the science, because that's kind of where my brain goes first. Um, how does science come into what you do with Lake James? Well, I guess I'll start since I was just nodding. <laughs> so I mean, science, science, we hope, is the basis of what we do in the organization. We, we try to build our 
recommendations, our advocacy for the lake and so forth around science. That's mm -hmm. why for 23 years now, we've actually been going out on a monthly basis, basis testing the water, doing growing water quality samples, having the water tested and so forth. Right. Um, that's why we go out to, this year we'll get 15 out of 26 sites that we have and where we go out next, we do a stream assessment. We collect the macroinvertebrates or bugs that lived in the stream, right. which tell us just a tremendous amount about the habitat and water quality of the stream over, over the long term uh, and so forth. So. Uh, science is every day, yeah. you know, is what we try to use to drive our organization. So definitely the water ecology component is The water ecology, there. the lake ecology. We also, you know, work with people. Jack's worked quite a bit on invasive plants within mm -hmm. the lake. Um, we have internship programs with a number of the local or regional universities that right. we bring students in they do research projects and kind of independent research projects uh, for us and so forth and so, really when we're talking about the testing that also looks at the chemistry and the chemical components so even though yeah. yes it falls under the biology it's that interdisciplinary of of the chemistry and what's happening oh, in the water it is it's we have to marry what we know about the chemistry yes. with what we know about the habitat yes. and what we know about the you know the general water quality yes 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 that we have this conversation a lot with our students about how you can't just silo biology or chemistry or math or engineering it all comes together it yeah. all that's that's how life works um, is getting to see it all play together and, and integrate um, so you kind of already talked a little bit about this. So how does technology go into what you guys do in Lake James Environmental? Am I receiving the nod again? <laughs> well, there, there's numbers away. I, I guess first off, it's the technology of the Water Quality Laboratory. Yeah. If you will, the technology of the taxonomy or how to identify the species and so forth that again is at the root of what we do in the chemistry department, uh, in, the, in the science committee and, and so forth. So there's all aspects of technology, including the technologies of instrumentation, water quality probes, and, mm -hmm. and some very simple things like tubes that we use to measure the turbidity, right. uh, how clear the water is, and, right. and so forth. So there's all kinds of uh, technology in that re right. regard. There's also the technology of what do you do with the data. Mm -hmm. uh, my background in engineering was primarily mathematical modeling, uh, looking at the physical characteristics of fluid flow, looking at you know optimization of how systems work how, how we operate water systems right. and so forth and, and water quality and so forth so the technologies the math and the technologies that go into those fields are are again you know the foundation of what we built the organization right and when you you know yes you're out there and you're using the technology and you're recording all this data but you've got to be able to take that data and make it for the external audience so that, you know, like on your website right. or wherever that you can display this so that the general audience can understand what, what it says. And so that we can understand. Yeah. Again, what I mean, yeah. It's, Who does that? Is that something one of... So right now it's very rudimentary and you can find all of our, well, first of all, ljea.org, our website. Um, 
there are a couple of places you can look. One, we did a state of watershed report back in 2018 where we kind of summarize um, it, what the state of watershed is at that time, looking at some of the measures that Marshall does, but we also did surveys of public opinion, state of fisheries. Uh, it was very wide and What's great about the report is you can drill in as shallow or as deep as you want to, getting down to the root of the data. We also have a, a monitoring site, water quality monitoring site, where you can retrieve that 23 years worth of data right. that Marshall's talking about that we've collected. We're hoping to work with you guys yeah. on helping us figure out how to better visualize that data. Okay. And it's ideal data uh, for your students to work with. Yeah, and you know, I know I've said this on, on air every time, we are a school that um, all of our students are required to take data science. So as you know, they arrive as um, juniors in high school, that's one of their core classes that they have to take is data science. Um, and then, you know, being able to read the, the data and what is it telling us and what story is being told here and what can we do to, you know, to, to help improve what's what's happening, which is exactly what it sounds like um, you're wanting. That's um, a great fit. That's what we're trying <laughs> to do. Yeah. Um, Todd didn't mention that our mission uh, as an organization is to protect and enhance the long-term environmental health and beauty and natural beauty of Lake James and its watershed. And it takes all of that science and technology and coming together to help us chip away at that mission. Yeah, I would see some of my role in this is uh, we taking this data that we have, we're seeing what a great place we have, which a lot of us living here understand that, yes. especially some of us have moved here and so forth. But uh, uh, if it's going to be that way, we need to have our citizens be willing to help keep it that way. Right. And so education, uh, giving students hands-on situations where they see and discover what great water we have, right. what beautiful place we have and the resources around it. Uh, so building pride and what, what we have among our citizens, I think is uh, a big role at Lake James Environmental Place. Part of what we do. We're trying to make everyone understand it's not everywhere, it's not this perfect, but, uh, and we're not perfect either. We can right. do things to improve, but we don't want to back up on that in any way. So yeah, and one thing, the education part has you to know, do with that. thinking about, you know, the Catawba is, you know, it starts in McDowell with the Catawba River, going through Lake James, you know, through Morganton. Um, so pretty much anybody that's here locally has seen it. But then what's the big eye opener is it goes all the way to Charleston, you right. know, when it connects right. into the watery. Um, and it, it doesn't, what we do here doesn't just impact us here, but also yeah. Exactly. downstream which brings us all and ties us all together. And that's why we work with other organizations that also are looking after that. The Catawba River Foundation is a good example. Right. The Foothills Conservancy. Yeah. Um, we have a beautiful working relationship. People sitting on our boards are mm -hmm. part of both of those things um, which are helping us to to promote the idea that it's not just us that we're having an effect Right. And that's part of uh, built into our education program for our eighth grade students. And we've actually done this program for, with kindergartens all the way through oh. some of the community college students here at 
As a mom, I'm hoping that my son gets some of this in the following. He will be attending Foothills Community in McDowell uh, starting this year. So I'm hoping nice. y'all partner so with them too. We do. So we do every <laughs> September 20. Excellent. It's already booked. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> but, so it's not 20. It's in the 20. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if y'all want to talk about this. I can cut it if you want me to. But I liked what we were just having conversations with about our student uh, down in the fab lab just a couple of minutes ago. Do y'all want to talk about some of possible envisions of how we can engineer and design that? Marshall's been working hard with this. Sure. Um, you want to address particularly the use of robotics? Yeah, so I would love it. Because I do want to get to the question of artificial intelligence. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> well, I was I was really excited about what you showed us down in the robotics lab and meeting your student and the folks who, who lead your robotics program. Um, one of our ideas for research that we would love to coordinate with you on is that for many years, we used sonar to run a bottom mapping program where we could examine the depth of the lake at various points, mark it out, and look at the changes, the dynamic nature of the bottom of the lake and the sediment that moves through it and, and so forth. Um, but, and, and we, every month during the summer season into the fall, we go out and we do vertical profiles of the temperature, the dissolved oxygen, the pH, and other parameters mm -hmm. in the lake. But it's difficult to get eyes on many of the biological things right. that are occurring under there. So it would be great to have your aquatic robotics team yeah. working on a system. We could put into the lake, observe uh, fish habitat, obs observe the rooted uh, aquatic vegetation, right. uh, that type of thing. Get into actually identifying the densities of different fish species in various areas and so forth. I think this is something that, you know, we could help pull in some experts from Duke, from the Wildlife Resource Commission and so forth to help to help improve our science, yeah. our scientific knowledge of what's going on below yeah. the surface of the lake. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited for our students and for you guys in Lake James if this plays out the way we're envisioning it because yeah. it's a, an amazing partnership. All right, so we'll skip, we'll skip, skip question four. If we have time, we'll come back to question four. So let's talk about question five. How has artificial intelligence impacted what you guys are starting to do, or would like to do? I guess our AI guys going to probably yeah, answer this. Yeah, start with that. <laughs> so, so first of all, it really impacts my day-to-day -day life and my career at Affinity. Uh, that's what we do. Um, but for the uh, Lake James Environmental Association, really we're using it very little if any we've played with some of the you know chat bots and things like that um and uh, but but you have to find an application for it and i think in it where it could possibly happen for us is helping us interpret some of the scientific data this mouse data that we have ai has the ability to dig into that but again it, it's dependent on algorithms and like that so we we use it we don't use it but there's a potential to use it in the analysis of our data okay i know just as a an amateur science person i'm gonna just leave it at that i'm not gonna yeah 
I use some of the artificial intelligence that are currently out there with just when I'm floating down the Catawba, um, I'll use my AI scanners to, you know, if I don't know what type of species a tree is or a plant is, I'll go ahead and start scanning things. I've also got another one that I've um, currently downloaded and it's for rock and fossil um, identification. So, you know, I was pulling things out of the river. Um, I found these like rare fossils. I'm like, oh, who knew that this was made from, it was um, something made from, a, it was like kind of like photosynthesis, but it was a, a, a fossil that had been created through that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it also identified the Carolina hill splitter that's in the Catawba that's really a uh, um, endangered species. <laughs> um, so I used it just, there's yeah. definitely some application yeah. there for it in the future. So it's hard to have technology take over personal contact mm -hmm. with working with young people or mm -hmm. anyone uh, as far as um, of the hands-on type of activities right. and so forth. But AI certainly helps with just kind of what you're referring yeah. to, the research that we can do so quickly to find an answer if we don't have that answer mm -hmm. that they throw at us. Yeah. Uh, or just refer to them to how they can find the answer. Yeah. So it's very much part of our lives. And, and of course, trying to just stay updated today. Right. Um, you know, I'm taught since uh, the late 90s. So right. um, just keeping up to date with uh, uh, what's going on in our fields that we're working in. Yeah. Uh, it's very helpful. So even though we're a school of science and math, I always like to hear, you know, a lot of our students will probably go into the field of STEM at some point in their lifetime. Um, but we also have a huge humanities department and fine arts department. There's a strong appreciation here for that. So when someone leaves the field, whether it be in AI or engineering or in education or what you're doing now with uh, Lake James, what are some other skills that are important for our students and any student, not necessarily NCSSM students, but students going into the field of, of STEM, what's important? Well, you're looking at me, so. I'm sorry, <laughs> I can turn the other way. That's okay. Um, well, I said, I guess there's a couple of formal fields of study that I have found particularly important. Um, one is throughout my college career, college uh, at all levels, I paired my engineering with economics mm. um, and particularly focus on economics used in the analysis of public policy uh, and so forth. So as a field of study, I have found that to be very important. It's true. When I talked about mathematical modeling, a lot of that is what used to be called operations research or optimization right. modeling. And, and so forth. So, um, so, so that's one field of study. And in the humanities, both because I'm just a history buff, but also because of my interest in public policy, I have found the study of history to be very mm -hmm. important. And, and by that, I often mean very vocal history. Right. If you come down to telling people to, there's a better way of doing things, you better know the Why? history yeah. of how they've done it, how they've gotten to where And that where goes it was. in, in science, like what research has already been done? What has been right. tried historically, you know, through engineering and, and 
you know, what does the past data tell us? Like all of that is history and it all intertwines. That's right. It's something, I don't even know if you were going with this, but this is where my brain went when you said economics. When we were down there in the fab lab and we started talking about things, like my brain automatically started seeing dollar signs of well, how much is this equipment that you're wanting to get? Like knowing the economical component of, you know, yes, we're going to develop this and we need to do this, but there's also money and funding that has to go into play yeah. um, when we do things right. like this. So yeah. I don't even know if that's where you were going, but that's well, where my brain started going. Well, I think that's a natural part to me of engineering um, yeah. is that, that balance between the economics and also the, the, the other humans, non-economic impacts. Mm -hmm and what you're trying to do with an engineering a structure or how to operate a system or whatever. A lot of it comes my direction is where do I get the volunteers to help pull off mm -hmm. the things that we're Networking, really, community. So, <laughs> so yes, I think being able to communicate and network with uh, the community. So um, if anybody wants to volunteer for Lake James Environmental Association, they're always looking for volunteers yeah. for various activities and yeah. each that. event it's a call for help you know, and the good part us. about it is it's not just work we have a lot of fun right on oh, all yes. our activities you know you were talking about the broader aspects of the education here and um and re looking at your question that that you sent to us um one of the things i thought to, thought about is you know, perhaps some areas where i wish i would have done better than I did in life is, is first off putting some focus on just plainly how to be a decent person, mm. yep. how to build and, and support teams of people who are trying to collaborate towards a common goal of some kind. Um, for me, it was important how to start and run a business. Yeah. And then uh, associated with that is how to mentor younger mm, people that's a good one. understand. So those are important skills that I hope y'all yeah. will build on. Well, I appreciate y'all so much, not just coming in and letting me interview, but you guys don't know, but we did, you know, some networking out on the campus with our current um, in-house faculty. And I look forward to future partnerships with you guys, um, not just personally, you know, as a local person, but, um, for NCSSM as well. So thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us.